Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash stuff today for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name's Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. And sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hello there. Uh, the economy's been in the news a lot lately. Yeah, uh, not not in a good way. Well, no. Depends on who... <laughs> Even even the good stuff about the bad stuff is still bad stuff. So uh, you just blew my mind. Yeah, well there there goes that. All right, well thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. now um, we were we were talking about the economy and how it has been affecting the the tech sector, and uh, you know there are a lot of different things that um, if you go through the news and and specifically look for tech stuff, you can find an, an entire range of how the economy, the troubles with the economy are affecting tech stuff. If you, I mean, just taking it on the surface level, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the companies that are, you know, that are mainly affected are the financial uh, organizations, sure. banks, investment banks. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> well, an article I read in the, in the Guardian from October 2nd, uh, the, the British newspaper, um, said that one of the things that, uh, you know, you would look for Companies are cutting back on discretionary spending. So that's yes. a lot of tech hardware. People are going to stick with older computers. They're not going to run out and, and buy a lot of uh, new machines. Um, and, you know, smartphones, things like that, things that people would normally, you know, go ahead and invest in for their companies to keep them going and, and say, oh, well, we've got a new way to stay connected to our employees. They're not going to go out and spend money on that. Right. So, you know, while the tech companies are not the ones leading the headlines right now, they are directly affected by by that sort of behavior. Yeah, they kind of lag behind uh, both economic downturns and upturns. You, you, If you look at the tech industry uh, for a while, even before we had the, the massive uh, uh, drops in, in consumer uh, uh, confidence and the stock markets around the world, yeah. um, even before that happened in September, uh, we had people kind of shouting out warnings about the economy. Sure. You, know, you had sure. the whole uh, reduced economic growth. We're not in a recession. We just have reduced economic growth. Oh, yeah. For months um, they were debating whether it was a recession or exactly. not. And, and the thing about the tech industry was a lot of the people out there were saying, hey, you know what? It hasn't affected us at all. We're still going strong. We've got all these different companies that are starting up. Um, we've got, uh, just success story after success story. Well, here's the thing is that when the economy takes a downturn, tech may not be hit immediately, but look at the tech industry three or six months down the line and see how it's uh, affected at that point. Because that's really when these sort of things that Chris has talked about, about, you know, the, the reduced, uh, purchases, that's where really when you're going to start seeing that, uh, appear in their financial statements. Sure. If you're a um, if you're a techie listening to this podcast, it's our uh, you know our audience, I guess. Yep. Um, you may be saying, well, you know, we're involved in IT. You know, we're recession proof. Everybody needs computers. Well, that's true. 
But if companies are starting to cut corners and they start looking at things like job growth and whether or not uh, there's any room to hire additional IT staff, um, they may be looking at ways to cut additional IT staff. Right. Um, spending on external IT, if you're contracting with, uh, if you've outsourced um, your IT or, you know, tech support, um, you may be looking at uh, cutting down on on those expenditures too at, at your company and small vendors uh, especially are the more likely to feel it than than some of the big guys uh you know depending on how much of the fat they can trim you know i'm, I'm sure big companies probably could let go of more people but it'll probably be a smaller percentage of the overall workforce sure actually so. I, that kind of segues in nicely into a, a discussion about the the internet giant uh, google Oh, yes. I think um, I've heard of them. Yeah. You may have heard a couple of things <laughs> about Google. Uh, so Google recently its stock fell to, uh, more, it fell down to the hit the, at 50% of what its highest amount was. So, oh, so you, like, uh, $20 billion a share? <laughs> no, more like 350. Oh, okay. But, um, that's still a lot of money per share. True. But, but it really did take that. Like it, at, by the time uh, October rolled around, it had taken about a fifty percent hit off of its top market price. Um, that wasn't all at once or anything, or else you really hear about it on the news all the time. But sure. over time, it has lost value, and this is a concern for Google, uh, and it's a concern for Google shareholders. Which brings us to another important distinction: is that if a company is publicly traded, they have to answer to the the people who hold shares in that company. Uh, they can't just make decisions willy-nilly because the shareholders will definitely make it known that that's not acceptable. Right. Um, so you have a responsibility to your shareholders if you're a public company, and Google is a public company. Mm-hmm. So I was reading an article, uh, and uh, actually a few articles about Google, and there were some nice, interesting points about what might happen to Google in the future if they aren't able to turn this around and get uh, regain their their dominant position in the market. Really? Yeah. So okay. here's here's some uh I'm, here's I'm some of the points. To okay, so uh they could uh shareholders could pressure management to mm-hmm. be more forthcoming about how they're spending Google's astronomical R and D budgets. Are we talking about uh cutting the free food too? Possibly the free well the free food actually has already been had a cutback. Did <gasps> you know that? No, I didn't yeah, know that. And, uh the engineers still get it. Oh, okay. Well, um and go. actually I think everyone still gets breakfast and lunch. It's just dinner now that oh, okay. you uh only the engineers are. Uh, that's dinner. a shame. Because you know, they gotta keep the engineers there as much as possible to get this stuff out, right? Right. So you don't cut their food, because otherwise they might leave to go eat. Um I love Google, by the way, but I, some of their some of their practices do seem a little kind of uh, manipulative, let's say. But R and D, so we're talking about like everything in Google Labs. Um, think about the twenty percent time that oh, people yeah, get. True. People mm-hmm. get twenty percent of their time to work on uh, personal projects, um, projects that could eventually become something that Google invests in. Uh, but if shareholders are saying, hey, why aren't you concentrating on your core business and regaining this great market share price that you used to have, why are you concentrating instead on this little 20% time thing? You might see that go away. Yeah. But you might also see things like you might see uh, employee cutbacks where uh, they have to lay off employees. Um, that you might see other benefits start to get the the, the squeeze. Uh, we've already seen some of that at Google too with the, the um, child care. Yep, brouhaha. Uh, I'm using brouhaha a lot recently. I think I'm, that's my new 
uh, term du jour. Yeah, it's very technical. Yes, it sure <laughs> is. And uh, another concern is that if Google continues to struggle, then some of the top talent at Google will leave the company. There have been some instances of that already. And that um, it's kind of one of those, you know, rats abandoning the sinking ship kind of thing. It's not necessarily that Google's sinking. No one thinks that Google's going away. Right. They just think Google's going to have to slow down. And that a lot of the people who are really, you know, kind of those brains behind Google who really push what Google's doing, they're going to think, you know what? This isn't much fun cleaning this up. It'd be a lot more fun doing something new right. and exciting and and jump into that. I don't really want to spend my time fixing problems. I want to spend my time doing new stuff. So you might see more people from Google who are really the creative types uh, kind of look around for other opportunities. So I mean this – so it can affect the big guys. I mean Google – you don't get much bigger than Google when it comes to internet companies. I That's mean, true. That's true. You know, speaking of stock price, um, an article in Business Week uh, was mentioning that, you know, with the investment banks closing, a lot of these – Investment banks uh, were the ones who helped launch uh, the IPOs of right. people like Yahoo and Google. Uh, so they've been historical supporters of the the tech industry. They are, you know, responsible for for these companies being on the stock market. Essentially, now I mean there are other people who can do that, but uh, you know that's one thing that's that that is going to hurt them fi- in finding funding. Finding funding that's fun. Yes. Um, you know, in the future is that that the the banks are not as you know readily available, and uh, some are concerned that venture capital could be drying up. Right, and uh, venture capital is one of those interesting things about the internet, where the more you learn about it, the more you start saying, "This really this this works how again?" So, venture capital is sort of it's it's a risk. I mean, it's when you are investing. Uh, millions of dollars into a company with the hopes that eventually this company is going to turn around, become profitable. And because you're essentially, you know, an early investor, you're going to see a huge return on that investment. Bet it all on number 13. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple of different ways that companies can actually turn this around and and make this happen. They can either, they can find a way to actually make money off of whatever it is they're doing, or they can get bought up by a larger company, which, you know, if you get enough attention, eventually Google or Yahoo is going to buy you or maybe Microsoft. (laughs) So, so the idea there is that even if the company itself doesn't really get off the ground uh, financially, you might still see a return on your investment because someone else went and bought them. Right. Um, And, and here's the interesting thing about the internet is that, You've got engineers, not not economists, who are driving innovation. Sure. So these engineers are figuring out new services and programs and applications, things that make the internet really, really cool. And they do some really neat things. But the engineers aren't thinking in terms of how do I make money from this? It's more like how can I accomplish this knowing what I know? Right. And so then they accomplish it. And then it comes time to figure out, well, how do I make money from this? And and not everyone has an answer for that. And some people are proud of the fact that they don't have an answer for that. I'm sorry. For some reason, I was hearing Twitter in my head. Twitter, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You used to, companies like Twitter, and and for a while, Facebook. You had people sure. specifically yeah. saying, "Hey, we don't have a business plan, and we're okay with that because what we're doing is we're providing a great service. Yeah, and people are willing to use it, and uh, people would be upset if it went away. And all of those things are true, but it but doesn't mean that you're making money. That's true. And without money, you can't keep 
you can't keep going because there are costs associated with these services. And whether it's the server cost or renting the space or the power or uh, salaries. So that you can continue to do work on stuff. All these things cost money. And you can't just sit there and say, oh, I'm going to be altruistic and, and offer this up for free because that's not the way the world works. There's no, there are no free lunches. And, uh, so, well, okay. (laughs) Except at Google, I'm going to hit you so hard. Uh. So, so venture capital is one way these companies stay alive. You have people who, or actually it's really organizations. Usually it's not normally people. Um, Right. Occasionally you might have some multimillionaire who wants to invest in a company, but usually it's, it's organizations and financial companies, that kind of thing. Um, they'll pour money into a business to keep it afloat, uh, to keep it innovating and to, um, to hopefully reach a point where it, it turns a profit. It finds a way to generate revenue. Um, but without this venture capital, these companies just can't exist. They don't have anything else generating revenue. So if venture capital drives up, dries up for something like Twitter, as soon as that money runs out, you can bet Twitter's going to go away because it, it can't run otherwise. It can't run on its own. It's funny though, um, if you really look at all the different articles about the economy and especially the, the tech stuff, um, it's obvious that people are sort of throwing guesses out there because I saw another article that suggested that venture capital actually, it's a good time for tech companies because venture capitalists have money on hand and other investments are drying up. So they're going to look back at tech, you know, tech, um, operations and go, hey, you know, they look good. They're, that's an opportunity to make some money. And that uh, that may be good, especially in the rebuilding effort, because there are going to be a lot of companies that are uh, restructuring their businesses and business operations, and they may be looking at new kinds of technology to help them do that more efficiently. They're saying, well, you know, we had this crash. We're going to have to redo some things in order to survive another one. Um, and right. I, I think I saw that in uh, InfoWorld. Right. Yeah. So, uh, the the dot com crash was was um, a different animal. Uh, there are a lot of people who are looking at this time, and they're they're kind of pointing back to the dot com crash. Um, but dot com that bubble burst mainly because people were pouring so much money into unproven uh, services and technologies, and uh, it just it just went way too fast. People are a little more savvy now. They're a little more cautious. It may not seem that way when you start reading about these venture capital deals. But there, it's not the kind of wanton spending that was going on back in 99 and 2000 that led to the, the bubble bursting. And then uh, it was just dreadful. Here in Atlanta, it was pretty tough. We have a lot of tech companies here in Atlanta that folded yep. um, after that happened. Yes. Um, and, and you know, it was a real wake-up call for a lot of people. Now, we've kind of gotten back to sort of a complacent uh, state of mind in the tech industry a little bit um, uh, for a long time, like in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000. If you were a, an IT guy, you know, the sky was the limit. You could jump from job to job getting increasingly better salary and benefits. And there was no sense of job loyalty, nothing like that. Yeah, sometimes um, months at a time, you know. Yeah, you might. Yeah, you might work at a, at a company for a couple of months and then immediately get hired away for twice the salary somewhere else. And that's not yeah. an exaggeration. That really did happen. Nope. Um, and then that that obviously came to a stop after the bubble burst and all these companies went out of business. And suddenly, being an IT guy was not necessarily the best thing in the world. True. Um, but it steadily it got better. And um, I don't think we're quite at the point where we're going to have to worry about another dot com bust. Uh, and there's still people who are investing venture capital, like like you, you know, like it, some people are saying this is the right time. Uh, Dig 
got a $28.7 million venture capital deal just a couple of weeks ago. So it's still happening. It may not happen as often. And it may be, uh, people might be much more picky when it comes to figuring out what they're going to invest in. It's not just going to be a, oh, well, that sounds like that's interesting. Throw money at it kind of approach. So, uh, people aren't just going to be spending willy nilly on a lot of expensive items that they don't need. Oh, that's always going to happen. <laughs> that's always going to happen. In fact, you know what? I can tell you about an interesting item that you, you might, you, you technically need it, but you don't necessarily need this particular version of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's pretty expensive. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible. Uh, you can sign up for an account over at audible.com slash stuff, which actually gives you a, a, a your first download for free. And we thought we'd recommend a couple of books that relate to this topic. Chris, you've got a recommendation for our listeners? Uh, yeah, personally, I would uh, advocate trying to stay out of this bind in the first place. And uh, I was thinking of... Um the Rich Dad series, mm, yes. uh, which is uh, you know very popular way to um, uh, get a little bit better at managing your money, and uh, the latest is Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad's Increase Your Financial IQ, Get Smarter with Your Money. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good one. I've got a I've got a recommendation as well. Uh, this comes from uh, the writer Chris Anderson, who you may know from Wired. Oh yeah, um, he has this book called The Long Tail: Why the Future of Business is Selling Less of More. Now, the long tail kind of goes into this whole Web 2.0 model of, uh, of web economics. And so if you are at all confused about web economy, I would recommend reading this book, uh, getting it off Audible, take a, take a good listen. And that explains a lot of why these companies are interested in getting into venture capital in the first place. Um, and you can find both of those at Audible. And like we said, sign up at audible.com slash stuff. You can get your first download for free. Okay, so we're going to talk about an item that's expensive and necessary, but you don't necessarily need this brand. Okay. Have you heard of Bling? Uh, yeah, I had to, uh, you know, take all my bling off so I didn't rattle during Right, the no, okay, oh. gangsta see, it's not that kind of bling. <laughs> no, I there's see. this, there's this kind of, uh, designer bottled water. Oh, Known as bling. Uh, and, uh, it has crystals on it that spell out bling. <laughs> okay, so, so hang on to your hats, folks, if you haven't heard about this. This water is, um, on average, $55 a bottle wow. of water from Tennessee. We live two hours from Tennessee, Chris. We could go and make a mint right now. I mean, granted, okay, when you figure gas gas prices into it, all right, maybe half a mint. But still, half a mint, Chris. That's true. That That's water is just sitting there. <laughs> just give me a bedazzler and some plastic bottles, and we will be in business. <laughs> Dazzler. Yeah. But yeah. if you would like to learn more about Bling and all the wonderful facts and figures that surrounding it, you can read this great article written by John Fuller. It's called, Would You Pay $55 for a Bottle of Water? That's live right now at HowStuffWorks.com, and we'll talk to you again soon. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?